Hi, I'm Tiffany Patlin, host of the Tiffany Talks Health and Wellness Podcast, where I discuss tools, tips, and techniques to heal your mind, body, and soul. I am on a godly mission to heal the world. Welcome, Tiffany Talks listeners. Today's special guest is Tim Kelly, and he is appearing for the second time to share his knowledge about Atlantis. He was initially featured on episode 62 discussing how to build paradise on Earth and living healthy. He is a wealth of information, and I hope you enjoy learning from him as much as I do. Uh, Tim Kelly is the founder of Polytope Press and author of Natural Healing Self Empowerment. OptiFlex, Hidden History of Humanity and Multiple Novels, and his new release, The Math Wizard. He also created a 3D periodic table of the elements, new theory of origins of species, and has written articles on independent homesteads. His company is focused on actualizing every aspect of an optimal civilization. Thank you, Tim, for gracing us with your presence once again. Thank you for having me. I very much appreciate it. You bet. Today's topic is absolutely amazing. Um, I've done some research about it, but I something tells me that you're going to share so, so many amazing, incredible things that I have yet to know about. So we're talking about Atlantis, a plan to enlighten humanity, frequency and vibrations, realities, um, higher frequencies, all of that and more. So thank you for being here and feel free to just share with us. For those that don't know, what is Atlant Atlantis? Atlantis was a continent that used to exist in the Atlantic Ocean. I know that there has been a great deal of speculation about Atlantis. People have placed Atlantis on other planets. They've placed it in multiple locations, but it actually was located exactly where it, most people think that it was located, in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. In Hidden History of Humanity, I go into a great deal of detail of the background for a lot of the material I'm about to present. So I know we don't really have enough time to get into the full background of the math wizard in the Atlantean path to enlightenment. At the same time, if I totally omit that background, people are gonna think this is coming completely out of left field. So I'm just gonna quickly go over the background to explain where these ideas are coming from. And then I'll get into a little bit of a description of a path to enlightenment that was offered to humanity and then lost and rejected by a group called the demigods. So first for that background, my research indicates that beings from the stars descended on earth and set up the civilization that was eventually known as Atlantis. My research also indicates these beings were from the Pleiades star system. When they came down, they were giants. They stood about 12 feet tall. Most of them had blonde or gold hair with blue eyes and fair skin. They were extremely advanced and they were extremely positive. Their goal was to enlighten humanity. Now I'm gonna explain what that means because 
if we don't even understand the goal that we're going after, things can get very confusing. Enlightenment has been described as the ultimate objective of human existence. And at the same time, when truth seekers like myself have done investigations, perhaps reading Eastern philosophy or mysticism, you'll hear about enlightenment in different forms. For example, the Japanese would call it Satori. It seemed like each culture had a word for it. But when you tried to zero in on exactly what it was, things became evasive. You would hear something like total consciousness, full awareness of everything in existence. And then usually after you hear about so-and-so becoming enlightened, you think, okay, so what did they do after that? It seems that most of them apparently shook their heads sadly at the ignorance of the rest of us or giggled and then took a nap under a tree and just kept going on and on like that. We were not really making any progress. What I do with all of my work is I make everything as specific as I can. And there's actually a statement in one of my novels, the more vague you are, the more useless. So I'm going to be extremely specific as I go through everything. Appreciate so, that. What is enlightenment? Okay, so there's a respected martial artist who came up with his definition of enlightenment, which was total Zen-like immersion in the moment. Well, that's an interesting definition, and I totally respect the gentleman who offered that definition, but that's not at all what I'm talking about. So enlightenment is initially a mystical goal. So I know right there you lose some people because they'll just say, okay, well, mysticism is just nonsense. What do I mean by mysticism? Mysticism refers to what is called ether physics. Okay, this is a type of physics that a number of rare individuals have worked with over time. Nikola Tesla, Nathan Stubblefield, Moray and his device, and one of the most famous of all time, Willem Reich. There was also another individual, Reichenbach, who did extensive work. His book is called Researches on the Vital Force. You can find out a lot about these individuals if you just do digging. But basically, there is a thing called ether physics. Ether was not disproven for the hardcore scientist types who are listening to this and think that there was an experiment that was done in the early 1900s disproving ether. It was a faulty experiment. Joseph Farrell gets into that in his book. Ether is real. It does work. It's a higher frequency energy that has properties slightly different from electricity. Let's get back to enlightenment. Now, as part of mysticism in the 1940s at Yale University, there was a new innovation. Okay, so I know sometimes in the history of technology, people will say that it's great if you have a new concept. What's even better is if you have a new tool, because especially in classic science, they say if we can't see it, we can't perceive it, we can't measure it, it doesn't exist. The silly part of all this is in the 1940s, okay, they were developed what is called an Aura camera, which is capable of doing something called Curlian photography. So you stand in front of this camera and guess what? You can see the aura right in front of you. You can see it changing colors if you do it as a television movie type camera. It will change colors over time. I do have links to this in the Math Wizard where you can see aura cameras and you can see people with their auras coming off them, changing colors, depending on yeah. circumstances. So now we have proof of a light that we normally cannot see coming off the human body. All right, so now that we have that, let's talk about the properties of light. There are three main properties of light that would be of interest. The first is the cleanliness or the dirtiness of the light. So think of a light bulb. In an incandescent bulb, you'd have what maybe is a tungsten filament. And let's say there's a flaw in the tungsten. You plug it in, there's a little bit of a jitter in the electrical circuit, and the light's not that clean. It's a little dirty, a little smudged. Okay, so you would like to see the light be as clean as possible. The next two characteristics of light we can take from radio. 
we have AM radio, we have FM radio. In one case, we have amplitude modulation, the other frequency modulation. Amplitude is the size of the wave, frequency is the speed of the wave. Now, what we wanna do is think about putting a human being in front of an Aura camera, and then trying to ask ourselves the following question. What do I need to do for any given being to optimize their light in those three characteristics? I wanna make the light coming off of every being as clean as possible, as high a wave as possible, and as balanced in frequency as possible. Let me develop that last point. I'm certified in a rare field called bioacoustics. This is developed by Sherry Edwards. Now, what you do in bioacoustics is you take a 40 to 44 second voice sample, and this generates what's called a vocal spectral analysis. It goes into her proprietary software, pulls up a voice plot on a computer screen, and shows you the frequencies that are coming out of your voice when you talk. Now, what Sherry found is that a healthy individual is balanced on all frequencies. Now, in music, we refer to an octave. It's technically seven notes, not eight. I know that octave means eight notes, but the eighth note is simply the first note at double the frequency. So it's seven unique notes in an octave. Those seven unique notes in an octave have equivalence in the seven frequencies of light when you split white light using a prism. So you get seven colors of light. So what that tells us, if bioacoustics teaches us that a healthy individual is balanced on all seven notes of the octave, that their aura should be balanced with all seven colors of the rainbow. So now that we have that, imagine these beings from the stars, as I say, coming from the Pleiades, coming to this planet. Now, they, I believe, set up the civilization of Atlantis and their goal was to have eight focal point centers of learning to guide the species towards intelligence. Here's the proof of this. If you take a cube and you insert it into a sphere, you will have eight unique points on the planetary surface. If you do that math, you will find that the Great Pyramid in Giza is located precisely on one of those eight points. Now, here's the next point. If you go exactly 90 degrees west, anyone can verify this, get an atlas, get a map, get a globe, whatever when you want to do, go exactly 90 degrees west, where do you hit? Poseidonus, the former capital of Atlantis. Now, if you think that that's a coincidence, not sure what I can do for you. This is exactly <laughs> the place where Edgar Casey said that the capital of Atlantis would be found. This is pretty much off the coast of Florida, Bimini. There's been all kinds of strange activities. You're right in the heart of the Bermuda Triangle. Again, not a coincidence. This is where the capital of Atlantis used to be. So let's say that there was such a plan and I can prove even further why there was such a plan, but what was the plan? The plan would involve physical, mental, and spiritual enlightenment. So let me explain those ideas. Physical enlightenment, what does that mean? There's 10 basics to a civilization. These are water, sanitation, food, shelter, power, heating, cooling, lighting, telecommunication, and transportation. You can solve those problems any way that you want. My argument would be, if you solve these problems the way that the full-blood Pleiadians did, if you took the citizens who were living in the ringed cities next to these learning centers, and you put a person in front of an Aura camera, you would see the highest quality Aura in a city of rings that was based on the Atlantean designs 
for water, sanitation, food, shelter, and all the rest. They were improving the aura by the design of their civilization. And the people who were living in the woods, you know, maybe they did have high quality auras, but not as high quality as the people who were living in the cities because they were getting the best water. They had the best sanitation, the best food because of the way that the food was being developed. So if you pursue all 10 aspects of a civilization physically, you will see people's auras magnifying and becoming as strong as possible. Now, once you had a number of people in those cities who were well-developed, they might be chosen for the seven-degree path to enlightenment, which had six degrees that were pretty much mental and a seventh degree, which was spiritual. Now, how do we know this? Well, we do know from author Tony Bushby, who wrote a book called Secret in the Bible, that he uncovered in the ancient mystery schools of Egypt that there were seven degrees. Now, he labels them. He gives them, I'll just go over them. I guess it might help people just to hear what he thinks the degrees were. The first one was physical sciences. The second was geometry and architecture. He has degrees for chemistry, astronomy. He inserts a degree he calls laws, and then he crowns it all with final revelation. Now, in his case, I think that he's in the right neighborhood of what the degrees were, but I also think he's completely overlooking a major important piece of history, which is my evidence uncovered that there was a war fought, a major, major war, lost to history. I'm probably the only person talking about it right now, but I think it was fought at about 3,400 BC, and it was fought between the rulers of the civilization that we call Sumer and the Atlantean legacy civilizations that were still in Giza. And that's a whole huge story that we don't really have time for. But I will say that the Sumer civilization won. And when they did, they wanted to know what was being taught in the mystery schools. And so they I interrogate them, interrogated the people there. And I think that's the whole origin of hieroglyphics. I think that they needed a picture language so they could understand the ideas of these people because it was all strange to them. So they learned. And then when they found out, wow. People could become enlightened if they were taught the full path. Let's gut it. So they stripped out the most important ideas that were related to spirituality. And they left what Bushby found and what Bushby applies. So my task was to reverse engineer. So how did I reverse engineer? The way I did it was twofold. One, I looked at the greatest minds of all time and their ideas that were the most important for developing the mind. And the second thing I did was to look at my understanding of a fully operational Great Pyramid. And it is so much more intense than what most people think. If you just think it's a tomb, you really need to read some other books. So the best book to start with is going to be the Giza Power Plant by Christopher Dunn. He is a no-nonsense engineer type guy. He's not really into mysticism that much, but he is an expert with machines and tools because he works with them all the time. And he looks at exactly what was done in the Great Pyramid in Giza and proved effectively that it was a device. And wow. Joseph Farrell extends that much further. Now I could go into great detail about what a Great Pyramid can do, but I'm just gonna try to give a very quick overview. So what a Great Pyramid could do at the very least, lowest level functioning is a communication device. And this is very similar to what Tesla was getting close to doing, pretty much the exact same thing. So 
you have a communication level and then beyond that you have a power level where it could broadcast power to the rest of the planet just like tesla was trying to do by the way there's a story that says tesla visited edgar casey and edgar casey told him you're a reincarnated atlantean what an interesting coincidence wow and then beyond that you have a defense capability. Now, the defense capability is extremely intense, and you probably have to read all three of Farrell's books to appreciate it. But basically what we're talking is harnessing energy in a multitude of forms, energy from the vibration between the Earth and the upper atmosphere, energy from the stars as Moray developed. I describe a lot of this in detail in both my books, Hidden History and The Math Wizard gets into it a little bit as well. But you harness all of that energy you take water, you convert that into plasma, and it becomes a broadcasting device. You can broadcast telecommunication signals, you can broadcast power, and if you choose a target, you can do sub-nuclear annihilation. It would have been the ultimate defense weapon. Now, some people might say, if these people were so peaceful, why develop something like that? A large part of the reason would have been because there once was a planet between Mars and Jupiter that has exploded, and the debris from that planet kept hitting the Earth in ancient times. And I believe they were trying to develop a comprehensive planetary shield, and if they had completed their project, they would have had that shield. So, you have these people who would then possibly be chosen for their healthy auras to go through the seven degree program. The reverse engineered program I came up with, the one that would lead people to learn the greatest knowledge of all time, plus be in the neighborhood of trying to understand how to build an actual great pyramid. Those new degrees are as follows. Degree number one, math and materials. Degree number two remains the same. It's geometry and architecture. Degree number three, in Bushby's world, it was symbolism and hieroglyphics. I think there's like no way in the world that was the original degree. So my degree is logic and flows. And that makes perfect sense. When you read the math wizard, you'll see why that would make perfect sense. And then after that, we have vibration and chemistry, then spectroscopy and astronomy. And then the sixth degree, which I'm pretty sure had to have been in the original program, but the Sumerians made sure that this degree was completely obliterated so that no one would learn this. The sixth degree would be music and being. And then if you can get through those seven degrees mentally, your mind would be optimized. Now, what we see in the old paintings of holy respected individuals is a halo of light around their heads. True. Indicative of mental enlightenment. People who had been initiated and have enough of their higher brain functioning to have an additional aura of light around their brain. And then, finally, you would have the seventh degree, spiritual final revelation. So now, what was that? Now, there were two ways of doing this. I call this the light spiral path or the night spiral path. So in Freemasonry, people have probably heard that there are 33 degrees. That's a, a darker path in most instances. And the negative path, we know that this was pursued in ancient Egypt. We know this for a, a ton of different reasons, but we know from the carvings in stone, a lot of what they were doing on this negative spiritual path. They were taking psychotropic drugs. And basically these came from pine cones because you will see statues of people offering pine cones and it's kind of bizarre. Like why would one person offer another person a pine cone? I mean, a Girl Scout might do it, but it's a little <laughs> strange to see everyday people doing this kind of thing. The second is the blue lotus. 
which is well known for its psychotropic effects. And the third was the Amanita muscaria mushroom. And a lot of other people have uncovered this very same thing. The Amanita muscaria mushroom, by the way, is the original source of the symbol, the Ankh, which is supposed to represent life because its shape is somewhat like that mushroom. But it also has psychotropic effects. So they would take these psychotropic effects, they would, in the version where Bushby recounts things happening much, much later, they would lie down in the so-called sarcophagus in the king's chamber. They would ingest these psychotropic drugs and they would then have an out-of-body experience. Their soul would leave their body, shoot off to whole other realms and have an experience called theophany. The roots for that from Greek mean showing of the gods. So they would encounter directly their souls, beings on other frequencies. Now it's my belief that when people did this the negative path and were attuned negatively. And you can tell from Bushby's writing that they were attuned negatively. Let me, again, I will be specific. When they started on this path, it was usually a three-day trial. And at the very beginning of the trial, you had to sacrifice a bunch of animals. And you're like standing on their like bloody hides and stuff. And then as you're going through this, you're being yelled at, you're being cursed, you're being threatened, all these different ways. This is not positive constructive behavior in my opinion. I think if you were going through this in a positive way, your knowledge would be tested, but you wouldn't have all these sick shoutings and threats and torture and you had to do an autopsy and cut up all these things. I, I just don't think that, that any of that was healthy. So I think that that was a negative tuning. But I believe that in the original Atlantean version offered by the Pleiadians, that there was a vibrational thing. So that if you had healthy water and you had healthy food and a healthy home, all of that was building up your vibration. Then you go through the seven degree mental degree and you learn how to build with materials in non-toxic ways, synergistic ways, ways that are building up more harmony of energy inside your system. And then all they would really need to do to induce the out-of-body experience would be to hit you with the right vibration. And just look where we are now. We have technology like binaural beat technology. We have any other forms of technology that would induce a vibration in the body and that could trigger the out-of-body experience. And then they would go to higher frequency realms and encounter more positive beings. I guarantee you that whether you went through the mystery schools and graduated negatively or positively, you came out 100% convinced that the soul was real, it existed independent of the body, and that there is life after death. So what I've tried to do in the math wizard was reconstruct that full seven degree progression. And you get to see the details along with links that you can just click on a video and it helps to articulate and show you the actual concept that's being discussed in a lot of different ways. So I think one of the main questions that probably will get directed to me eventually is if the end of this path was paradise, why would anyone ever reject it? And the answer is just something I think that is important to, to mention before I pause. Uh, and I think the answer to that is I just look at what's going on around me right now. You know, for my whole life, I've been accumulating information on an optimal civilization. I'm happy to share that information with anyone who's interested in listening. But what I notice is that while people love the goal of being in paradise, what the Pleiadians were offering was not just here, live in this apartment and push the buttons that you want to push and everything will be given to you. No, 
they were giving us a vision and showing us how to build it ourselves. That means that we would actually have to learn to stand on our own two feet. And what I'm generally noticing with a lot of folks when it, it could be health, could be fitness, could be whatever, is you do it. No, no, I don't want to do it. You do it. I, I, don't, I don't really want to learn anything. So if, if you don't, if that's your attitude, I will tell you this. If there's one phrase that a devil worshiper loves more than anything, it's someone who says, you do it for me. You know, whatever it is. It could be, you, you provide my water for me. You make my food for me. I, I don't want to have to do it. Okay, so then look at your food supply and tell me if, if you're satisfied with letting other people create that food for you. So I'm going to pause right there so that I know I've said a lot and you can give me a sense of what you think. Well, that last part was like a mic drop. Uh, yeah, boom. Yeah, okay, fine. Depend on other people to make your food, bring you food, create your food, grow your food. Uh, and yeah, look what's happening now. It's it's all corrupted. I believe everything that you know existed in nature, everything that is being corrupted. Um, wow, I'm just... I'm just sitting there soaking it in like a sponge. I'm just fascinated. Um, there's a lot of things that you said that are ringing true for me in uh, the little research that I've done, like with frequency. And I'm wondering if that's why sound healing is so um, healing, you know, to people for from everything you said. And I found it fascinating how, yeah, it's true. There's the halo that you see in all of those pictures. Um and I also find it fascinating that you're, you mentioned about the aura that a healthy one should look similar to like a prism or that of a rainbow, you know, encompassing all the colors. Because, you know, you've seen like on random TV shows, movies, what have you, where um, it's almost like they're, they're doing it comically. But they're saying, oh, yeah, your aura is green. It's always one color. It's never referred to as the whole rainbow. Um, there's just a lot of fascinating things that you're saying. It definitely is inspiring, you know, wanting to dig further and to research more to expand on all of this for sure. There are layers to the aura. So there's an inner layer and then it goes out further and further. And the ability to see that sort of depends on, you know, the ability of people to view and maybe the type of camera. But if you look at some of the linked videos in the Math Wizard, you can see that the aura does go out really, really far and it will go out further and further the healthier you are. So there's a lot to see. And one other thing I was going to mention in relation to music and vibration, I have a link to Richard Kahlberg's website, the very first page in his long progression of exploring ancient mysteries himself. What he found was that each of the four major chambers in the Great Pyramid in Giza correspond perfectly to notes in the natural musical scale. And let me explain that last phrase too, because that might be confusing. We've mistuned our music scale so that A is 440 hertz. It's really weird. You know, it's like these secret society people came up and said, oh no, you guys all need to retune your instruments and start with A as 440 hertz. But there is a whole school of thought of retuning the scale starting with A at 432 hertz. And as I show in my research, each vibration is significant in a cymatic sense. So what that means is I show links to cymatics in my work. So if you have a vibration at 432 hertz and the right medium could be water or sand, you're gonna form a perfect shape out of the medium when you have that. When you don't have the right frequency, let's say A at 440, it's discordant. The shape gets disrupted and lost. So that the Great Pyramid shows perfect awareness 
of cymatics and its ability to form shapes. There are four of the major notes perfectly in the natural scale in the chambers of the Great Pyramid. And guess what? Each of those four notes that are found in the Great Pyramid, as described by Richard Kahlberg, correspond to the notes of human DNA. That's fascinating. I I know what you're talking about with um, how, because I've seen before, and I forget the name of the person who did this demonstration, but it showed, and, and it goes back to what you were saying about your, your voice. Um, and this person said um, joy, love, all these positive words, positive Masaru Emoto. There you go. Thank you. And I saw the water and had all of these beautiful images, snowflakes, like they were just gorgeous, symmetrical, beautiful images. And sure enough, when he spoke those words, hate um, and anything else negative, you could see the pictures were no longer beautiful. They were distorted. Um, there's just so much truth. I can tell from everything that you're saying, just, it's just, it's just fascinating. I'm like, I'm blown away. Like this stuff fascinates me so much. I just, sometimes I just want to take a day off and just sit there and just research and just learn and learn and learn because I, I believe that, I mean, like you mentioned that you believe like you're probably the only person that's talking about this is not everybody is, everybody is too caught up in things that are not important. And I think understanding our history, understanding um, optimal civilization, you know, nature, health and nature and all of those things is really, really important, especially where our world is currently headed. Um, what would you tell people who want to learn more about Atlantis, like, and to learn more about the frequency and vibrations and all of this stuff that you've been talking about? I know you mentioned, uh, you talk a lot about it in the math wizard, but is there anything else like documentaries maybe, or anything like that? So Hidden History of Humanity goes into the most thorough detail of probably any book on the true history of the world. So I would strongly recommend that. It is heavily cross-referenced, so you can click links as you're going through it. A lot of these things do work well electronically. I know people like hard copies, but when you read an electronic book, you can just click the link immediately and go there. So you will have the ability to do that using all the links that are in the Math Wizard. And at the very end of the Math Wizard, in what's called the afterword, I list all the sources of books that were used so that you can just do all the research you want. And even if you don't get either of those books, uh, I, I can't say that all the links I just mentioned are gonna be on my recommended reading page, but at my website, there is a recommended reading page and that has a lot of resources there. Not necessarily all the ones that are in those two books, but there are a lot of resources listed right there. But yes, those all resources are available and you can see them at the, at the back of the map wizard and quote it all through Hidden History. Thank you for sharing that. Um, this was a wealth of information, just like I knew it would be. And I'm definitely eager to um, delve in more. I hope all you listeners out there enjoyed this as much as I did. His website, you'll see it down below. I will also have it in the description box. And uh, Tim, I encourage you to share with me any other links that you have uh, that you may have mentioned or names of people that can go research. Um, whatever it is that you have, I'll be happy to put it in the description box for those that actually really want to delve deep and start learning and expanding their knowledge in, in these areas that you mentioned with us today. Sounds like a plan. And thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It's always a joy to speak to you. You inspire me. You inspire me to just... It's like my, my brain is just like so opened and I just want to go out there and just learn, learn, learn. So thank you.
appreciate thank it. Thank you. I feel like I've done my job when I hear that kind of response. Oh, thank you. It's a win-win. <laughs> All right. That's it for us. And we'll see you on the next episode. Bye for now.